this land needs it. So therefore today, Lord, I speak the name of Jesus over this land and our hurting and our sorrow. We're waiting for you to move. We speak that name of Jesus because it's all that we can do. In our depressions, we will seek you. We pray for a breakthrough in this land, in this church, in our lives. We pray for miracles to, to happen. In Jesus' name, and for him to be glorified. Lord, you were faithful before. We just sang it this morning. And the revivals in this country, well, we need a new revival because the people are hurting and they're lost and they're wandering around naked, poor. And they can be rich and have a mansion in your kingdom. We declare blessings in Jesus' name because you promised them many thousands and thousands of blessings to those who believe. We speak the name of Jesus over those blessings that we need in our lives today. We're going to believe it, Lord. We're going to receive it. In that mighty name of Jesus, the name of Jesus that even death couldn't hold, that grave was opened. And that's for sure. Here we are today, 2,000 years later. No followers of Caesar. No followers of, of, of the great men of the Bible, men of war in this country and in countries. Alexander the Great, no followers today. But Jesus, he's followed by many believers all around the globe all around the earth, believers in every country. So we speak the name of Jesus, Lord, for revival, for miracles, for our depressions to be gone, for a breakthrough in whatever it is that we need. Not for our glory, but for your glory, because we intend to use it in such a way. So it's in your name, the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. The name of Jesus that opens graves, opens prisons, and sets captives free. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Hear our prayer, and may you be glorified today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. You know, before we ever get to the pulpit here, the gospel was already preached. And that is awesome. That is awesome. For those who just tuned in, this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. If you're local, would you know about Lantana. You know about I-95, so get on I-95. Head to High Paluxo Road, which is the north border of Boynton Beach, the south border of Lantana, and uh, stop on by. One quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. Come and see us. If you're local, uh, you can walk. We have people that walk. We have people that took bicycles, now motorcycles. Uh, cool. Um, you know, 
Jesus died for you and you can't get out of bed, wake up. Wake up. That's powerful. It really is. We need to wake up in America. Anyway, I'm Pastor Joe. Listen, if you're online, you know, you you can uh, go to our website. Since you're there, freedomchurchpb.org, you can see our list of ministries, our beliefs. You can watch past services. You can even donate online. We're a full gospel Bible-believing church. We preach the Word of God. We don't leave out the sections that you don't like because God put it in there, and he didn't put it in there for you to avoid it. He put it in there for you to learn and study and grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're a full boss gospel Bible believing church. Um, if you're online and you're not local, uh, tune in next Sunday at 10 a.m. and we'll be here. Um, if you're if you're local, you know, stop on by at 10 a.m. or 11 yeah 10 a.m. every Sunday. We have a men's Bible study that is not aired. It's at 9 a.m. every Saturday morning. So come on by. It's a great, a great time. Uh, for those of you here on the back table, there's some tracks. There are chick tracks. Um, uh, I got, I got, what can I say, really, yeah, really convicted by God over one of these tracks. It was called Liar, Creator or Liar? Chick is, he's been around for 40 years. I've been a Christian for 40 years, and these Bibles exist. I mean, these tracks existed, so um, been a long time. You know, if they exist that long, I believe it's God. There's, in the seats in front of you, there's uh, little Gospels of John. It looks like a Fourth of July thing, but it's really a Gospel of John. I put them there so that you could pick, take them home or give them to somebody, and maybe they'll pick it up and read it. Also, there's bookmarkers on the back that... Uh, that Ray gave us, you know, he prints these up in in uh, New Hampshire, and he's here today with his um, his wife, Claudia, and uh, also. So if there's none back there, ask him. He'll he'll send them to the church or me, and we'll put them back out there for you if he doesn't have enough. There's tithe offerings. You know, we've never taken an offering before at Freedom Church. We don't intend to now. There's boxes in the back for you to give what you what is on your heart. But you're commanded to give by God to the church to keep the gospel going out there because it does cost uh, finances to, to bring the gospel into all the world. So, all right, we'll get on to the message here today. Um, we're still, we're in our, what's he, one, two, three, our fourth week in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I show you, every week I'm showing you five things that are priceless. Five things that are priceless. We started out, and I'll go through them real quickly, and I want to just review real quickly too, until we get to the, the fourth one. You are a priceless creation. You are, we have a priceless covenant. Hey, if you don't have this, uh, by the way, this is a flyer. If you don't have it, raise your hand. Theron will bring it to you. This is last week's message. Uh, and it has actually the five weeks message on it, all cut down to size. Okay? So you can follow me along. We're on, on, the on, um, we're on message number four. But you're going to see highlighted in blue, um, you're going to see the topics. So... 
You can follow along if you want to and with that flyer. If you don't want to, you could take this and teach a Bible study at home and invite your neighbors. Okay? Because that's what I've been doing for years and years and years. Some preachers tell me I waste paper. I don't believe so. Because I know a lot of people in this church that got saved somehow or spoken to by God by, by listening to one of the, or reading one of those tracts. How many, how many have done that? Been reading tracts and got saved through them. Yeah, see, there's a lot of people that have. Okay, I'm looking at five things that are written, written and are hidden in Ephesians chapter 2. You've got to look for them to dig it out. Okay? Because remember I said we don't wallow in the puddles. We swim in the deep things of God. So five priceless things in Ephesians chapter 2. Number one, you, have a pri- you are a priceless creation. And I'm going to just review that in a little bit. You, number two, we have a priceless covenant, the new covenant, which we studied before, the new covenant. Jesus, when at the Last Supper, he gave us a new covenant and replaced the old covenant and fulfilled the old covenant, I should say. Didn't replace it, it fulfilled it. 365 prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Nobody else could fulfill the prophecy. Jesus Christ is the Lord, there's no doubt about it. Okay? He is the Lord. Nobody could fulfill 365 prophecies, and most of them were when he was dead. You know why? He wasn't dead. And he wrote them before, before the new covenant was ever issued. One, one theologian said, just to take, I think it's seven, 10 or 17 prophecies to be fulfilled in one man, you could take the state of Texas, you could build with, with silver dollars, Stack them one foot high and cover the entire state of Texas. Mark one coin with a red dot and have someone, somebody through the state of Texas, he gets one pick to pick the right coin. Only, now that's only like 10 or 17 prophecies. Jesus fulfilled 365. There is nobody on the face of the earth ever will be, ever was that could do that. Because it's written in a book. That means Jesus is the Word of God. We, have a new, we are a new creation. We have a priceless covenant, the new covenant, which is in Jesus' blood. We have a priceless cross, which we studied last week. This week, we're studying the priceless church. We are a church. You are a church out there. The churches in the area are churches. But we're one church. See, they fight over this and fight over that, but we are one church in Christ. If if Christ is not involved, you aren't part of the church. If Christ is not the head of the church, you are not of the church. So if your church says that, move to a new church. Listen, okay, let me review really quick. We have a, you are a priceless creation. If you look at verse 10 of, uh, of Ephesians 2, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created to do good works, not to go robbing banks or shooting people and killing people. We are to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, believers should walk in righteousness. That means 
If a believer at your job says he's a believer and every word that comes out of his mouth is F this and F that or says this, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain, you might want to question if he's a Christian. Because Jesus said in Matthew 7, you will know them by their fruit. So you're fruit inspecting, not judging. A judgment involves condemning people to hell. You can't do that. Actually, that chapter 7 of Matthew says in the first verse, Do not judge, lest you be judged yourself, or in what way you judge, you will be judged. You don't have all the facts. Don't judge. But you can look at a person, and he says he's a Christian, and he's out there running around with prostitutes or, or going to whorehouses or taking the Lord's name in vain is a big one with me. As soon as I hear somebody take the name of the Lord in vain, I cringe because that makes me doubt if he's a Christian because he should be cringing too. For you're not supposed to take the name of the Lord in vain. So you're a, you, that's what this verse is saying. You're his workmanship to, to do good works which were prepared beforehand that you should walk in good works. So I under the priceless creation, I showed you that the soul was from God. The devil can't have your soul. He can't have your soul. It belongs to, guess who? God. He's waiting for your soul to cry out to him and receive Christ as your Savior. Then your spirit comes alive. So, because you are a triune being, body, soul, spirit. The devil can't steal your soul. That's all there is to it. It might not be what you hear in the streets. That soul belongs to God. He created it. Remember I took the pictures that I had here? I had the pictures here. God created you. You belong to God. The devil can't steal it, your soul. The world will say they can, and it, it is impossible. Your soul is priceless. Your soul who sins is going to die. We can have a rebirth, and you must be born again. And you have a wonderful hope that you know you can be born again. Number two, we have a priceless covenant. It's a covenant that other covenants had promised. This covenant was covenant that other covenants had promised. Abraham was given a covenant, Noah, Melchizedek, Abraham, you know, Moses, Israel, David, and etc. You have a priceless covenant, and you are a part of that covenant. It's a covenant that mankind must obey. A covenant was ratified in blood. For example, when you get married, you, that is not a contract. It is a covenant. And covenants are required to have blood. And therefore, when two of you agree, and when you, two of you are come together, you are made one flesh under God. Now you're one blood. Now you're one blood. It's ratified in blood. That's why God hates divorce. He hates it. Because you broke a covenant that was ratified in blood. It's a covenant of grace and mercy, not death. You know what? If you slept with an adulteress, adulter if you are sleeping with an adulteress, 
Both of you were to be stoned to death in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, we have grace and mercy given to you should you repent with a true heart. God's made that covenant with all and, you know, who believe in it, in him. A covenant to, to, to have salvation in Christ. This covenant was sealed with the blood of Calvary's cross, Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the blood. If you don't accept this new covenant or don't walk in this new covenant, you're trampling the, the covenant of God, the blood of Christ, under your foot, foot. This covenant joins and doesn't divide. This covenant, you know, uh, is a covenant of peace and mercy and grace. It's a covenant that's based on Christ and Christ alone. And we have to realize that. Then we have a priceless cross that we went through last week. A priceless cross. You know, the cross, we find out, and you know it, if you've been a Christian for a while, it demonstrates God's love. You wear that cross around your neck. Why don't you wear a guillotine? Because a cross is a, a symbol of death. Wear a gold guillotine because it's a symbol of death. You know why you wear that cross? Because you know in your heart it's a symbol of love. It's, not, uh, it's no longer a, a, a place of death. It is life, and you bring it. He brings life to you through that cross, and you accept it. God demonstrated his love to you while we were yet sinners. He died for you on the cross. He demonstrated. He didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated it. We talked about that at the men's group a little yesterday. Jesus was mutilized. The scriptures say, I think it's Isaiah 52, it says that he was unrecognizable. Now I went to the, we talked about it, the, the, the Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson. And everybody said, it's too bloody. You know what? It isn't even as close as what happened to Jesus that day. Crowned with thorns, cat of nine tails, at least 39 times. You know, uh, a whip with nine strands on it with bones and glass at the end. When them things lashed around him, it just tore him up. He was unrecognizable when he hit the cross. But it's too bloody. I wouldn't say it again, to be honest with you. It's too bloody. I don't want to say it again. But it made me realize how much Jesus loved me. And that's what it should be for you. Jesus loved you that much. The cross conquered. The cross did not conquer Christ. Christ conquered the cross by his death. He conquered. That, that was not a it was not a victory for Satan. It was God's victory over Satan at the cross. The battle's already won. God won the battle at the cross. If you go back to Genesis 3, 3 uh, verse 15 or so, you'll see that Jesus said, The seed of the woman will crush your skull, and she the seed of the woman will crush your skull, and he will bruise your heel. The devil thought for sure, once Jesus was dead, it's all over. It was all over for him. 
all over for him. Because by death he conquered death. And why did he do that? And how did he do that? Is because he walked on the earth 33 plus years, and I say more, and, and, and he never sinned. Never sinned. And he grew up as a man from a baby child impregnated by God's seed in Mary. It's called the Immaculate Reception. She received the seed of God, which was God's seed. The, f the battle was already won. Have faith in Jesus and believe it. That's your, that's your calling. Jesus made a sacrifice of great love towards you. Uh, see, number, number three uh, we studied. Let's see. We're on four now, right? Yeah, okay. Number four, he canceled, the devil, well, yeah, he canceled the debt against us. See, Ephesians 2.15 tells us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity between the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, that's the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament, for to make in himself two men, one new man, from two men, one new man, making peace, that he right, reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And that is what we're on here today, is the church, the church. And you have your flyers, it's, it's Roman numeral number four in your flyer that you have, okay? So, number four, we have a priceless church. The church is priceless. Do you know the church is all around the world? Practically in every country there's a church. I've been to many of them, Guatemala, Jamaica, um, where else, uh, Brazil, Belgium. You know, everywhere I went, there was a church. Some of them weren't preaching the gospel, the full gospel, but there was a church. There was believers in Jesus Christ. There's always a remnant in every church, I can tell you that. You can find that in Revelation, the first three chapters, because there's seven churches that are announced by Jesus, and they all had a remnant in them. Okay, we have a priceless church. The church is priceless to God. The church is Jesus' future bride. Do you know that? You are going to be the bride of Christ. Right now, you are engaged to Christ, according to the Scriptures. He is your your husband to be. He is your husband to whether you're male or female. Because when you're in the spirit, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. There is no 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 um, no no uh, male and no female. That's what the scriptures say. When we you know we there is no no um, sex in heaven, let's put it that way. We all will be one bride in Christ Jesus. And that is the church today. Here you can find that. Let me read Ephesians 2, 14 through 19. Ephesians 2, 14 through 19. Get your Bibles out. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity that was in the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man, the church, out of every church, out of every male, out of every female, but the church is non-sexed. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Anyone who believes in the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, will be reconciled to God. And that's not with this, it's with this. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, you can check that out. Therefore, putting to death the enmity, having, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. The cross, you know, the, the God's offering peace to you. He's asking, you know what? He has a, for those that don't know Christ, he has a proposal for you. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? I said yes 46 years ago, come July 25th. Yes, 46 years ago. He made me, I was far off, I believe it, I was drunk. I was, you know, I could name things, I don't want to name them because I'm no longer them. I, was dr I wasn't a good guy, let's put it that way. But he changed me. He changed me. And I got his peace. I was afar off. And to those who are near. He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. Jesus showed up. What did he do? Did he, did he take a sword with him? No. He didn't take no sword. He conquered the world without a sword. No, no great warrior of the past ever conquered anything without a sword. But Jesus did. You were far off, and you to those and to those who are near. He came not just for the good guys, but for the bad guys. He spent a lot of time trying to tell the, the scribes and Pharisees and those that were tied up in religion and legalism. He tried to correct them to get them on the right path. But he, they, were, they thought they were far close off with God, but they were really far off. And he came also for those that were near, like Joseph and Mary. They loved God with all their heart. Nicodemus seemed to love God with all his heart. I, I believe we'll see him in heaven. I really do. You know, And he, they were drawn near. You know, he came to draw near. He came in peace. He didn't pick up a sword. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. A conquering king rides into Jerusalem on a, on a white stallion. But Jesus brought peace for us with God. He demonstrated his love toward us, and that while he, we were yet sinning, he died for you because he loved you, whether you were good or bad. It wasn't like Santa Claus that the world made up this fiction character and put coal in your stocking. No. He came in peace for all. The church, in verse 12 here, is actually the commonwealth of Israel, having hope. They have hope. The church is the body and fullness of Christ, verse 20. 
and 23 of verse chapter 1 of this chapter. 22, uh, 23. I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and, com and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Listen, the church is the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Christ, the church. The God loves the church. You loved your 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 uh, betrothal blood, you know, wife or or husband before you were married. You loved them. He loves us. The church is the bride of Christ. If you read Ephesians two twenty one, bounce over to this, our chapter verse twenty one, you'll see in him the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. We're a holy temple. The church is a holy temple. It's not a building. This is a building. The church is you and me. We are the church. It's not a building. Everybody rides down the street. Oh, there's a church. Look at this. A nice steeple on it. That's a building. We're the church. That we are the church today. And you are Christ's bride. Ephesians 5.23 tells you that we are Christ's bride. John 3.29 tells us that, uh, that he, we are his pride and his joy. Revelation 2.17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Holy What's the Holy Spirit's job in this world today? His job is to lead you to Christ. You know what? And the church, the bride says, I'm telling you to come. Come, says the Spirit, the, the Spirit and the bride. God wants you into the kingdom. Come. It's free. You don't have to light a candle. You don't have to go to confession every so, so often. You don't have to, to give all your money to the poor. You just need to come to God. And through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And then he'll tell you what you've got to do. Or what he wants you to do. All you got to do is come. Ephesians 5.23 tells us the husband is head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. Christ is, is marrying his church. You, he is a picture of that. As Christ is subject to the Father, God is saying, you know, the woman is subject to the husband. That doesn't mean he can beat up on her or anything like that. That means he's got to treat her with the same way Christ treats you, with love and compassion. Listen, he's the head of the church. That, a lot of people take that verse out of context all over the place and so the husband can be, listen honey you're going to do it my way and that's it. No. In the, in the society we live in America today we will tell you to shut up and be quiet. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> because you weren't supposed to be done that way. 
a two-way. You and her make up a body of Christ and be in agreement. You know, we're subject to Christ. Christ is the man's leader. And that goes on to say, God loved his church or God loved his bride or man, the husband should love his bride so much that he would give his life for her. That's your job, guys, and it's a lot harder than you think. The application is the church is God's household. We are God's household. The church. Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us, and that's why you wear the cross on your neck. Point number three. We are citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. Actually, Ephesians 2.19 says this, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. 2.19. I'll finish it off over here but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. We are all one in Christ. We're no longer strangers, but one. I think of, as soon as I was writing this, I thought of a memory verse that I memorized years ago, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. I only memorized 11. But listen, you are a royal priesthood, Christian, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. The church is a holy nation in this world of evil nations, for the most part. And our country's getting bad. We're a people for God's own possession, so that you might or proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light, for you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You realize that? 47 years ago, I was not a person of God. But now I'm a person of God, and I want you to be a person of God, and God wants you to be a person of God. But now you have received mercy. I didn't have mercy when I was 40, 26. I didn't have mercy. Till I was 27, when I received him as my Savior. You're no longer a stranger to God or an alien. You're no longer a stranger in this Well, you are really a stranger in this world because you, you have a new, like I said, uh, I think in one of the messages past, your visa does not read the United States of America. Your visa reads the kingdom of heaven now, not, not America. You were transformed. You are now a believer in Christ. You are now the church of God. You're a holy nation. He made you alive. You were dead. I was dead twenty-six. You no, know, when I was 26. If I would have got killed in Vietnam, I don't know where I would be. I Probably hell. Thank God. We were far off, and now I'm made near to the blood by the blood of Christ. You can come right before the throne of God. We hit that in one of the prior points. You are, you are drawn near to God by the blood of Christ. You cannot get nearer to God 
except through the blood of Christ. You have to receive the sacrifice he did on the cross to save your soul from the pit. You have to receive it. Now, with your head again, and miss it, miss heaven by 18 inches, but your heart, he who believes in his heart shall be saved. You're brought near by the blood of Christ. That's the whole gospel. The blood of Christ. Have you received the blood of Christ? If you received what Jesus did on the cross, you will be a new person. You will, your life will change. You won't want to go to, the, to uh, get drunk anymore. You won't want to do crack. But sometimes you're in bondage, so God works in that area also in deliverance. You won't want to. You become a Christian and believe in Jesus Christ and love him with all your heart. You will do good works without trying like you would if you were, were not a Christian. Without trying, you would do more good work because you're so in love with Jesus. Speaking of good works, let me talk to anybody here of a guy named Jonathan Edwards. He was one of the first great revival in America, up in Boston area. He was preaching a, a message that said, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Half of Boston repented. Over half of the Boston area repented. He was backed up by George Whitfield, Whitefield. I call him Whitfield, but it's really Whitefield. He was backed up by other men around the country. There was a revival going on all through New England and through Pennsylvania, all the way down to the Carolinas. Half of Boston repented. Look, what would you say if if somebody if half of, half of uh, half of West Palm Beach? repented today. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of churches in Palm Beach County, but Matt hit it right. If you go online and find out, you'll find out that the West Palm Beach area is the, is the least church area in the United States. How can that be? We got hundreds of thousands of Christians around. Well, here, Jonathan Edwards was a godly man. And there was another guy named Max Jukes. I'm just going to hit something. The sins of the forefathers pass on to the third and the fourth generations of those who love God and keep his commandments. That is Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and 6. And that's the ten, that is in the Ten Commandments. Jonathan Edward was the first great awakening, 1700s, around 1740, his sermon, you, get, you heard it, sinners in the hands of an angry God. That doesn't sound like a pacifying message, does it? Sounds like a fire and brimstone. But the church today didn't want to hear fire and brimstone. Edward's family inherited abundant capacity and character because of his, their forefather, Jonathan Edwards, Every child had been educated from his early childhood. Listen, in his lineage, Proverbs 16, 7 says this, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Jonathan Edwards' ancestors, uh, no, not ancestors, but people that followed him, his children, children, their children's children, there were 285 college graduates, 13 presidents of colleges and higher institutions, 64 college professors, 150 years his family has not degenerated. Edward's family has furnished no lawbreakers, 
He had 100 lawyers, three, three U.S. senators, one vice president, Aaron Burr, you heard of him, 30 judges, 60 physicians, 75 officers, chaplains, and surgeons in the Navy, 60 noted authors of editorialists, 300 clergymen, missionaries, and theologians, all from Jonathan Edwards' family line. More than 80 had been specially honored. Of Edward's 11 children, four lived to be more than 70 years of age and a continuing record of health and longevity. And it goes on and on. Here's this, this notorious lawbreaker, Max Jukes. His ancestry, listen to his ancestry. 300 died prematurely. 400 were, 440 were more or less viciously diseased, 100 were sent to prison for an average of 13 years each, 190 were public prostitutes, 100 were drunkards. They all made no demonstration to contribute to society. Of the 1,200, not one secured even a moderate education. Only 20 of them ever had a trade. Ten of these were leaned, were, were, were in state prison. Jukes neglected to, to have any religious pr uh, privileges. They defied and antagonized the church and all that it stands for. Not one of Jukes' uh, family members have ever been elected to public office. Jukes lacked the physical and moral courage, as well as patriotic uh, purpose. The Jukes family uh, were as far removed as possible from literature. The Jukes did not wander from their ha haunts of Max. They were stayed right in his line. Jukes always mingled blood with their own quality in their descendants. The Jukes were notorious lawbreakers. The Jukes family had cost the state $1.2 million in crime, prison, and hospitalization, and insane asylums. Difference, huh? Nobody did ever, in his line, nobody ever achieved anything except evil. But in Jonathan Edward lines, you have, you have a vice president of the United States, and and uh, hundred lawyers, I mean, the sins of the forefathers pass on to the third and the fourth generation in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter twenty, and you will find the same commandments in Deuteronomy chapter five. It's important that we be good citizens of the United States of America. That doesn't mean you have to like the the uh, president or the cabinet. That means that you're supposed to be a good citizen and honor God. We should treasure our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven, along with men like Jonathan Edwards. We are members of one body, point number four. Here's what Acts 20, 28 says. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. That's the, the flock of God, because we are sheep and God's pasture. 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. You know what? And one of my teachings I said to you, if Christ was never born, there would be no Christmas, there would be no Easter. There wouldn't be any Christmas wreaths. There wouldn't be any church bells going off. There would be nothing. You take Jesus out of the Bible and the references to him in the Old Testament as far as Messiah coming, this book would fall apart. It would fall apart. Jesus is the central theme from Genesis chapter 3, 15, where God said the seed of the woman will crush your skull and he will only, you will only bruise, he will only bruise your head. You will only bruise his head. From Genesis all the way to Revelation 22, I believe uh, 17, up, it's close to the end of uh, Revelation. The spirit and the bride say come. The bride's of uh, the bride of Christ, and the Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know what? You know how when we go in the Bible and we even song sing it, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, but there's no place that says peace, 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 or grace, grace, grace is the is Lord God Almighty. It says the holy, holy, holy. And you know what it stands for? The Holy Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it stands for, as far as I'm concerned. Christ sacrificed his fleshly body to purchase the church, and therefore we should be, uh, we should um, realize how much he loved us. That's our job, to, to, um, to treasure our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. We for point number four under the church is we are members in the body of Christ. Okay? Jesus sacrificed himself in his fleshly body to purchase us. Ephesians 2.16, we'll read it here, we're in Ephesians 2.16, says that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity or the, or the war between them. You know, we have been reconciled by the blood of Christ into one body. Ephesians 5.30 says, because we are members of his family. He broke down, according to Ephesians 2 here, he broke down the middle wall of separation. There's a separation before, between uh, the Jews and the, the Gentiles. There's a separation for those who believe and those who don't believe. He broke that down. All are welcome. All are welcome through the blood of Christ and what he has done for us. Here's, what, here's uh, Ephesians 4.16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the unity of the body will build itself, itself up in, in love. So, point number five. We have unity in the body of Christ. 
I carry, I, I'll just get off the subject a little bit here. I got papers all over the place. I study, study, study to find this stuff, you know, this stuff. I go online, I read commentaries, I study the Bible, you know. Um, but people say, people say, well, maybe they're saying, oh, Joe's got all this stuff. And a lot of guys get up there and they just talk, 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 talk. I'm throwing scripture after scripture after scripture after you because scripture does not return void without accomplishing what, it, what, what God sent it forth to do. I had, uh, years ago, someone said to me, fair, prepare to, f- you know, fail to prepare, I got all these notes here, I prepare, fail to prepare causes you to, re- um, fail to prepare Prepare to fail. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. I'm sure when Jonathan Edwards got up there, his, he was, his writing was on, on paper right before him. And you can actually go online and see the, the, uh, the sermon that he preached, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That's right. That's right. That's right. So I don't want you to think, hey, man, man, man. I got a lot of stuff up here 46 years, teaching most of those years, since 1985. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm great. That means I love God, and I'm just going to get everything that I can. I'm going to squeeze every, ju- every drop out of that orange that I can, and I still won't be able to get it. But I can try. We have unity in the body of Christ. Ephesians 2.16, I read it earlier, that he might reconcile to unto God in one body by the cross, one body by the cross. That's it. We're the bride of Christ. One body. The Methodists, the Lutherans, the Catholics, the Presbyterians, you know, and any other denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliances, they're all, the, all God's church. But you have to believe and receive the blood of Christ in order to be part of Jesus' church. You might have to Go, or join a church and put your name in a book or something, but that isn't what God does. He puts your name in the book of life. Your name's already in the book of life. If you take that last breath here on earth and, and your name and you have not received the blood of Christ that he shed for you, then your name is erased from that book. God wants everybody heaven. God wishes that none would perish. All would come to repentance. Your name's in that book. Everybody that's going to be born until Christ comes. Until it's all over, I should say. You know, your name's in that book. But if you die without receiving Christ and his precious sacrifice of the blood of God on the cross, you will die in your sins. Because the sin, your, the, your sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Come, let us reason together, says Isaiah. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. He's telling you. When you receive the blood of Christ, your sins are washed away. Your spirit comes to life because it's dead. Your triune being, body. May the Lord sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete to the coming of Christ. Once you get saved, you're born again. Your spirit comes alive. The soul's warring against the spirit, which is Galatians 5, 17. 
the fool, the the soul wants to wants to have the driver's seat, and the spirit of God is saying no, no. So there's a war going on in you. Boy, I didn't even look at the clock. It's time to close. <laughs> Past time. Sorry. I think I only have one more point. That is, this is the last point. No, one more point. Jesus prayed, you know, and we're talking about the unity of, of the body of Christ here. Jesus prayed in John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, so they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And he goes on to the 21st verse, that they will be one, just as you are in me and I in you. We're one with Christ. As I said earlier, you are betrothed to Christ. And when we get to the kingdom of heaven, whether we, we, we pass away or whether we're translated in the, not the second coming, but the rapture, and once we marry him, we will be married to Christ. Whew. You know, when I married my wife, this is the honest truth. When people, I stood in line and people were coming out and, and, and shaking my hand, and I couldn't even talk. I was elated. My spirit, you know, was elated. And this is, this is the truth. I couldn't talk. Some of the members of the church recognized that I couldn't talk, and they said, I understand, Joe. And they moved on down the line. I don't know how Liz felt, but that's how it affected me. My heart was like so full I couldn't say anything. And that's the way it should be for Jesus. Your heart should be so full for him. You need him. You want your heart filled up with him. It's time to come back, church, for any of you that are not. You can become a living stone in Jesus Christ. You can become a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. But you have to receive Christ as your Savior. But you know what? This world, and I heard on the radio, on the TV this morning, and I'm going to quote you some verses out of Amos. Amos was one of the prophets, as you well know. Chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, New, New Living Translation. When people like me come here, you know, I'm a prophet. I proclaim the word of God. Here's what the people in Israel told Amos when he was preaching the word of God. Get out of here, you prophet. Go back to the land of Judah. Don't bother us by your prophecies. This is the king's sanctuary and nation, national place of worship. Get out of here, you prophet. You know a lot of people say that. They say, get out of here. I don't want to hear you. That was happening in Amos's day. He was proclaiming the gospel. Here, here's Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send famine on the land, not a famine of bread and water, but a hearing of the Word of God. There's a famine in America, and it's because they won't hear the Word of God. 
They see preachers like me, and they'll say, it'll turn you off on the TV. This church should be full. Because for almost nine years, I have not failed to preach the gospel, nor anyone else that was in this pulpit. But this church isn't full. The church, the bride of Christ, some of them should be ashamed of themselves. Amos continues, Not a famine of bread and water, but of the word of the Lord. They sit in churches, and some of them don't even, don't even understand anything the preacher's saying. And they don't want to. Verse 12, people will stagger from sea to sea. Sounds like the national anthem, from sea to shining sea. He didn't say shining, but boy, I got a picture of that when I heard it. People will stagger from sea to sea, searching for the words of the Lord, but they will not find it. Why? Why won't they find it? You know why? Probably because they have a hearing problem. They don't want to hear. Boy, they'll prepare what college they're going to, and they'll prepare for their career, but they won't prepare for their eternal dwelling place. What is wrong with this world? But they won't find it. They're lost in their, in their appetite for God's Word. They have no appetite for the Word of God. You go over, over a preacher like me, if I go over time, you work too long, preacher. Man, I, I, I'll tell you, it's really... I know when I was in Jamaica and Guatemala, when I preached the gospel, we preached the gospel, and if we ended in an hour and a half, they would be upset. I just walked 10 miles to get here. They want to go till 5 o'clock. They have an appetite for the Word of God. God's Word is replaced with positive mental attitudes in a lot of churches got to get rid of that. We have churches in this area, no, not, not exactly in this general area, but on Christmas, Santa Claus walks around the church. On Easter, bunnies. Listen, it isn't about Santa Claus. It isn't about Easter bunny. It's about Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, and risen. Sorry if I sound too powerful, but I got the Amos spirit today. <laughs> Amos is godly spirit. Praise God. The Word of God is replaced with positive mental attitudes, national and motivational lessons. Aren't they? Instead of the old rugged cross that Jesus died on. There's not a lack of churches or Bibles, but there's a lack of wanting to hear the gospel. So tell your friends, come to Freedom Church where they can hear the gospel. And I know there's other churches. I'm not coming down on the preacher. I know a lot of preachers in the area, and they preach the gospel as far as I know. But anyway, tune into Freedom Church, freedomchurchpb.org, and watch us next week at, 11, at 10 a.m. And bring your family to listen. We will be on the fifth point next week it's going to call we have a priceless citizenship you are a citizen of heaven man
When you're in some foreign third world country, you say, you're proud to say, I live in the United States of America. Aren't you? We have a citizenship in heaven and we should be proud of it. Let's pray. Father God, we, come, we thank you, Lord. We come in Jesus' holy name. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would grab these words and I preached it. If it even be towards me, I'll accept it. If it's to uh, people in the congregation here today, let them open their hearts to accept it. It's for anybody over the internet, Lord, that they would have open hearts to accept it. I pray that today you would give them a heart of flesh and take away that heart of stone like the, like the Egyptians had whenever Matt was talking about it, like the Egyptians had. They had a heart of stone and tried to kill the, to the uh, Israelites. But you caused the army to be defeated because the Israelites were people that knew you. So Lord, today I pray that you open people's hearts, their eyes, their ears to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they would know it's so simple to get to the kingdom of heaven by receiving and Jesus Christ into their heart as the gift that you gave us. He is the indescribable gift mentioned in the Bible. So, Father, help this church, help every church to preach the gospel today. If some preachers out there are not preaching the gospel, I pray that you convict them of their sin because their job is to proclaim the true message of God to this world today and make disciples of all nations. To you be the glory, Lord. Pour out your spirit on each and every one of us and let us be able to hear and give us the courage to, to say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Oh, I love you all. Oh, before we go offline, can I have Ray and Claudia down here? We want to pray over there. We're going back to New Hampshire today this afternoon. And uh, I'd like to pray over you before you go. And they won't be back till October. You know, Bray beat me in three games of pool yesterday. <laughs> and he said, we're going to have a rematch in October. I'm here like, hey, October? Can't it be sooner than that? <laughs> he beat me, though. I'm going to polish up. I don't know where I'm going to get the pool table. <laughs> oh, Father, we just thank you and praise you. I love these two people. We were so sad when you moved them to New Hampshire. But that's okay. They're doing what you told them to do, and I would give them the same okay. Do it. So, Lord, just they're going back by car this afternoon. I pray in Jesus' name that you would protect the vehicle, Lord God, that every moving part would be perfect. I pray that you protect them, keep them from dangers seen and unseen. Send your angels to lead the way, to protect them from above, from beneath, from front, from back back and from sides, Lord, of anything evil. And Lord, let them talk and praise you all the way up to New Hampshire. So Father, anoint them with a powerful, can I say, anoint them with uh, your powerful word as they travel. And Lord, may you get the glory and use them in a mighty way. And I know you already have in, in New England, so we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. 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 Love you all. Oh, I didn't pray to get pulled over. Don't get pulled over. Ray, I love you. Love you too. 
All right, everybody. You can see this church has love in it, so come on by. We'll say bye to you. God bless you. We love you all. Tune in next week at 10 a.m. Amen. Bye.